and welcome to another edition of the Deep Like Leviathan podcast. I'm your host, this is Evan Altman of CubsInsider.com, and I mentioned that I have typically steered this in uh, in both of our previous episodes. I've steered this away from the Cubs angle, but uh, had a special guest that I was able to uh, to lure somehow into my web for this one, and so uh, it was a Cubs-based conversation for the most part, but uh, I tell you, this one really came as a surprise to me, right, and, and for a couple of reasons, and so uh, again, for any context, I, I assume most, if not all of you listening, will uh, will understand kind of my background, and I'm, I operate the Cubs blog, Cubs Insider, and um, have had the privilege of appearing on a lot of local radio programs. I, I appear on 670 The Score, the Cubs flagship station, quite a bit. Um, but but I've been, I don't want to say a staple, because that, that sounds like not at all humble, but on, on local radio, because the, the Pacers and the Colts here in Indianapolis run the show for the most part, IU Basketball and, and Purdue as well, and then, you know, Notre Dame football. And, and so the Reds get a little play, the Cubs get some play, but by and large, it's not a, a baseball-driven market, and so they don't cover it that much. But when they do, uh, I have been privileged to join a couple of different shows, whether it be Dan Dockich, um, the, the Kent Sterling Show, which really gave me my start in uh, in doing radio appearances, uh, which is uh, unfortunately now defunct, and, and uh, you know I really feel bad for that. That was a, a regular Thursday spot for me and, and really enjoyed talking with Kent on that show. But uh, another one is Query and Schultz on 1260 AM. And uh, WNDE, and that is um, the the flagship station for Purdue sports. So they have Purdue football games. They've got uh, uh, Purdue basketball games, all that. I think it's, it's 1260, and it's uh, 97.5, Fox Sports 97.5 on the FM dial. Uh, but I got I got stuck. I had an old car that, uh, that the FM went out on. And so I was forced to listen to AM radio. And I'm a sports fan, and so I, I just kind of got into that, and, and it's actually stuck since then. I, I don't know. I, I tune in FM when I have to, but by and large, I will uh, I will avoid it entirely. And so it's it's a little bit funny, but I had uh, I had tuned into them one time, and uh, and was was just listening to Quarry and Schultz because that's that's what I I generally do, and. Um, was just trying to check in on, okay, what's going on? And I hear this guy talking about the Cubs, right? And it was the weirdest thing because I'm like, whoa, what is some guy, you know, is he is he poaching my uh, my spot here? Is, is this something that's going on? Um, have they have they replaced me? What, what is this? And so, again, I'm listening for a while, and I'm like, all right, this guy's really knowledgeable about what he's talking about, but he doesn't, you know, I don't recognize what he's getting into and so I finally, I found out after a little bit of, of listening that it was Matt Painter, uh, the Purdue basketball coach. And, and so I'm, a, I'm an Indiana fan, right? I'm a, I'm a Hoosier, man, uh, born and raised here in Indiana and, and have always just been an IU fan. And so I'm, I'm kind of conflicted, right? I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be liking this guy. He's a, he's a Purdue coach. Come on. Uh, despite the fact that a great deal of my, uh, my family, both immediate and extended, have uh, have undergrad and graduate degrees uh, from Purdue University, so uh, it has certainly been good to to my family. And anyway, after I after I heard that, I was thinking, well, yeah, this would be pretty cool. I, I should 
try to try to see if I can get Coach Painter uh, to do an interview with me or something. And so I reached out and and got some information. I reached out to their SID, and uh, and you know this was when Purdue was on their tournament run. So so Painter's appearance on the show was was happening while Purdue was gearing up for their Elite Eight uh, NCAA tournament run. And I'm thinking this guy's paying attention to Cubs spring training games while Purdue is is in the midst of this tournament run. He's a legit fan. Right. And so, so I reached out, you know, and, and just, Hey, I, I know it's bad timing, but, uh, just want to put a bug in your ear. And then, you know, I waited till, uh, a, a few weeks later, tournament was over. They'd had their awards banquet and I just emailed again and said, Hey, uh, you know, I know coach is busy. Is, is there any chance to the email I get back? I, I think, um, the, the verbatim response that was copied back to me, I think was something along the lines of, um, Painter's response was, hell yeah, finally a request I want to do. And uh, I don't know, he was, he was joking a little bit, right? Because I, I know I don't want to uh, say that he doesn't want to do other radio appearances or anything. But uh, so, yeah, so we set it up and um, and I, I got the chance to just talk with him for a while, about 30 minutes or so, and, and just kind of just get into him as a Cubs fan. Why, why is he a Cubs fan? And, and he's got a little bit of a unique twist on it, right? I think all of us who are sort of in that you know, uh, anybody who's maybe over the age of 25 who came into this fandom or, or really, I guess, you know, 30, 35 who came into it with all the day games and WGN and, and all that it probably has a similar story to some point, but, but his is a little bit unique. There's a little twist to it, which I think is, is kind of fun and, and that you'll enjoy. But what I really dug about it was just, you know, his passion that's there. So he's clearly immersed in basketball. And, and so for him, these summers, you know, when the, when the season is over and and certainly they're still recruiting and evaluating to be done, but the idea that a lot of guys go out and maybe they, you know, maybe they play golf, maybe they fish or hunt. And, and for coach painter, it's Cubs baseball, uh, when he gets done with the day and, and, you know, it's game on at night and he's probably, I'm recording this during the Cubs game. He's probably watching right now. And so for him to just kind of have that tie again, not only back to his childhood, but the ability to sort of sit back and, and it's funny, you know, because you think here's a guy who is in this high pressure, you know, major division one, big 10, uh, you know, big 10 champs going to the tournament. And he, he gets more wound up about Cubs games because that's something that he detaches himself from and he can just be a fan. Um, but, but before I get into too much more of that and kind of uh, share too much of it, I, I do want to just turn this over and, and we'll listen to the interview. And, uh, and again, I hope everybody enjoys it. And we'll kind of uh, close back on the other end with a bit of a, of a follow-up on it. And, and again, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the interview. All right. So, uh, so we are here with uh, Coach Matt Painter of, uh, of the Purdue men's basketball team, who happens to be a huge Cubs fan, and that's why, uh, why I've got him on here today. And uh, I was just – we were talking off the air. I had heard him on the radio, initially thought somebody was – was poaching my territory of, uh, of Cubs coverage in Indianapolis, uh, but it turns out that he's just a he's just a big fan, and, and even during uh, even during Purdue's tourney run, was following the Cubs during spring training. So, uh, so coach, I guess I just want to start out with kind of if you could share a little bit of that background, like how you came. I think all of us have yeah. some similar stories, but how did you come to be a Cubs fan in the first place? Well, I, I grew up in Muncie, which was about two hours away from Cincinnati. So I grew up actually <clears throat> when I was really young, so the big red machine going to the games when I was five, six, seven years old. Um, that was my team. Pete Rose was my uh, favorite player. 
um, at that time. And then when like Pete Rose and I think Tony Perez, late 70s sometimes, 78, 79, you know, I just, it didn't make sense to me. I was a baseball card collector, so it just didn't make sense to me that they left the Reds. I think uh, Pete obviously went to the Phillies and they won a championship there. And Tony Perez, I think, went to the Expos, if I'm not mistaken. And that just didn't make any sense to a second or third grader. And um, at about that time is when we got cable. So then <laughs> you went you you went from three to four channels to now like ten to eleven channels, which you thought was just you know out of this world. <laughs> you could have eleven channels, twelve channels, and watch TV. But that's when WGN hit and was part of the cable package. And so they obviously <clears throat> excuse me didn't have lights. And so when you got home from school, you know you had you had cartoons or you had the Cubs. And and so I started watching the Cubs and. Um, you know, been a Cubs fan ever since. And Dave Kingman was probably in that stretch, my favorite player. Uh, I was just amazed um, that he could hit the ball that far. I was amazed that, you know, he could strike out as much as he did when I was a third, you know, you're just a little kid and you're like, man, you know, if he hits it, it's going to go out. But, you know, will he hit the ball? So that was like, <laughs> that became my guy. I got a Kingman jersey. I got one of his um I got one of his bats. One of our guys here got me one of his bats. I got an autographed baseball. I got so I'm a big Cubs fan, and that's how it just kind of started. It was it's kind of ironic that that you know somebody had to to leave a team, and um, just it just it baffled me to this day. I just was mad about it, and I'm, I'm glad it happened because now I'm you know I'm a very loyal Cubs fan, and it, that's what I kind of do here as the season's over. Everybody has hobbies like you, know, you golf, or you hunt, you fish, you. You know, basketball is really my hobby, but besides that, I watch the Cubs games. You know, I'm, I'm not religious in, in doing it because I'm not home all the time, but when I am home and it's on, um, you know, they were on last night, and I, I love watching the NBA playoffs. Obviously, I'm a basketball coach. I'm consumed with it. But I, if I have the basketball, if I have the playoffs there and it's not somebody I know or really want to watch, I watched the Cubs. Last night, I watched the Cubs over the playoffs, and then right as it's over, I flip to the playoffs and – and so it's uh, that's kind of my my start in terms of being a Cubs fan. Nice. Well, and, and that that actually kind of leads me into something because you know you think about especially as that kind of your fandom or whatever is is being formed. You know, there's a lot of things that can sway that uh, one way or the other. And you know, being involved in major Division One basketball, um, right. huge program, right? Just rabid fans who who grew up that same way, right? There were um, my, my father-in-law who is a Purdue undergrad degree, Purdue pharmacy degree. He grew up a Notre Dame fan, but he saw Bob Greasy beat Notre Dame, went to Purdue, you know, and now he's diehard Purdue everything. So right. there's fans like that that are out there. And you now are, do you, I mean, I guess I, I shouldn't put this on you. I should ask you, do you feel kind of like a responsibility or, or some ownership in that as a part of Purdue athletics and Purdue basketball to kind of foster that fandom in, in the same way that the Cubs, you know, they've said, whether it be ownership, whether it be Theo Epstein or Joe Madden, right. that they want to bring a championship to the fans. So what, what kind of responsibility do you yeah. feel in your yeah, role? Yeah, no question. Like it's like sometimes, you know, you, you hear kind of, I'm not a big guy that like demonizes my rival. I'm not, as a coach, I'm not really that way. I get guys fired up and sure you want to beat, you know, somebody that you compete against and go after and things like that. But, yeah, there's there's no question, like, to be able to, when you win a Big Ten championship, 
um, you know, or you have, you're trying to get further in the NCAA tournament and get to a Final Four or National Championship. You see the fans and how they get into it. What you what you get from sometimes fans is the negative or the ugliness when you don't. Like you'll get a, you know, you'll get some of that. But when you really calculate all of it, it's really a small percentage. You know, you you have fans that are gonna, you know, kind of live and die with you. Um, they they understand it. Not all of them understand it, but most of them understand. We have a really educated fan base you know, here at Purdue, but that, there's no question about that. Like when the Cubs won it all, you know, winning it for the fans and winning it for those people that have stayed loyal and stayed with them. And um, obviously it was, a, it was a long time coming, but obviously it was well worth it. And I think the Boston Red Sox um, were a great example of that. You know, it's what, what happens in media is you know this, people pick up the narrative that they want. And a lot of times you get sloppy journalism and they just, they just jump on the main narrative and they don't dig deep into it, which is reality. You know, you sometimes have new ownership and sometimes you have new general managers and you have new managers and you have new players and you have new teams. And each year is different. Like each year is going to be different. Even if you have a lot of the same guys returning, there's going to be different things, especially in professional sports with, you know, guys, you know, playing in contract years versus not playing in contract years, guys trying to establish themselves um, especially when it comes to pitching, you know, guys want to pitch and certain guys want to start, certain guys, you know, don't want to start. And, but you got to do what's best for an organization. You get that with college to a degree because guys want to be a professional. They want to get better, but you got to get them into roles and you got to be able to really talk and communicate and get out in front of things. And my thing pushing towards kind of connecting the college to the pro is I always explain to them, like, you know, you want to be a pro and you equate that to basketball but there's pros all over this world working in different professional sectors. You know, pros come early and stay late. You know, the guy I played for, Gene Katie, called it a company man. You know, be a company man. Do what's best for the company. Do what's best for our team. Do what's best for an organization. And then once you start to do those things and understand those things, you're really just doing what's best for yourself because it comes back to help you, you know, personally. So there's no doubt there's a quest, um, you know, at Purdue and, you know, with me being the head coach here is, you know, we want to be able to go to a Final Four and win it all and, and do it for the fans. Very similar, you know, how the players and staff a couple of years were able to do that and, um, and and win it all. And sure, they're doing it for themselves and the camaraderie and the, the togetherness they have as a group, especially baseball. Baseball is, man, it's, it's unbelievable. So the way they start in spring training and end up at the end of October, I mean, that is a unbelievable journey. And very very strenuous, and you gotta you gotta have a good team, but man, you gotta have you gotta have some luck and stay healthy, and you gotta have great mental toughness. Oh, absolutely, and and so you know that's that's kind of something we're seeing, and the, and the Cubs are coming around a little bit, but they had they had a sluggish start, which you know as I was kind of thinking about our conversation here, I thought, well, that's in a way kind of similar to what your team had this year, right? Kind of started out the gate with maybe a couple right. of losses that you didn't feel. Um, really good about, but then I think it ended pretty well. Uh, by the time you guys ran through the Big Ten season, had a really great tournament run there, and uh, and nearly made the Final Four. And so, you know, as you look at this Cubs team, do you see some similarities there? Do you see some things? And and how good do you feel right. about their chances going forward? Yeah, I feel great about their chances. Such a long season. Um, you know, I I think this about the Cubs and. Um, when you think about the team they put out there, and obviously Addison Russell has, um, you know, 40 games where he has to sit out, um, you know, in my opinion, you know, they're going to get better in 40 games. 
Um, and when he, you know, he comes back, you know, he wasn't an all-star last year, but he was an all-star the year before. But when you think about who they put out on the field, you think about the corners with Rizzo and Bryant, you know, you know, both, you know, all-star caliber players. Obviously, Chris was a MVP two years ago, but the consistency that Anthony Rizzo has had, you know, at the plate, um, but also in the field. And you think about Baez, you know, being, you know, Chris Bryant was the MVP two years ago. You know, I don't know where Baez got last year, whether he was second, third, fourth in the MVP you know, voting. But you just kind of think about that, add an Addison Russell. Um, Scalzo has played very well so far, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, already there, obviously, Bodie is, I think, is going to be a really good player. It might be too late. He might already be a good player. But I think he's, you know, got what it takes in there. And you, you just kind of think about your outfield and the experience and the guys, you know, that, that you have, you know, out there with, you know, just Almara and his ability to, to defend, even though he's, He's been a pretty good hitter that kind of gets lost sometimes in the shuffle. And Jason Hayward is just such a great professional, you know, great defensive player. He's hitting very well right now. Um, so you kind of look at that. You throw Schwarber in there. Um, I'm, I'm missing my guy that was the MVP in, in the World Series here for, for Kansas City. And for Zobers. Zobers. How can I forget that? I, and I love that. <laughs> I love – how can you forget that? But um, when you're kind of going through everything, but, like, you know, how he can – be an everyday player, but also play different positions and do different things. And, you know, he's such a, you know, a clutch player. Um, and I'm, I'm missing somebody in that, in that outfield rotation with those guys. But when you look at that, you know, you have all-stars and potential all-stars. You throw, you know, Contreras was an all-star last year. Um, I know, I think Carantini's out here for a little bit, but he's always, you know, he popped up last year and had a really good stretch where he won a couple games for him. And um, the one thing that I always say this about some of the guys that, you know, you know, aren't everyday guys, even though Joe does a good job of rotating and a lot of guys and keeping them fresh. Um, it's hard to be consistent when you don't play consistently. Um, mm-hmm. It just is. I always say that in basketball. I said, you want one of our guys off the bench who plays 10 to 15 minutes. Well, he hasn't really been that consistent. Well, you, you get inconsistent minutes. You know, you, you know, you don't worry about how a guy feels, you know, that comes off the bench. You worry about how bias feels. You worry how Rizzo feels. You worry right. everybody's important. Like the arms are more important, you know, how you kind of think and how you, you know, progress now and t- to get into hopefully September and be in that position and, and, and be peaking at the right time. Those things come into play. But it's, you know, they have some guys that have, I, I think have really done a, a good job um, and not played every single day. Played a lot, but not played every single day. And then that's a tough, tough thing um, to manage for Joe. That's That's a hard thing to do, but that's what – you know, makes him really good, and that's what makes all the quality managers really good in, in Major League Baseball is that, you know, you have to be able to get that figured out. Um, but I like their I like their personnel. You know, when you look at it, and now obviously they've got into the bullpen a little bit and obviously had some struggles there. Um, but, you know, you're, you're working some things out. you got some new faces, and, you know, all those guys are, you know, are, are quality guys. And, you know, obviously they have, you know, they have a couple injuries there. And so when everything gets healthy and everything gets going, obviously the other night with you, Darvish, um, when you have somebody that's had bad breaks, and in competitive sports sometimes people frown upon somebody who gets injured, you know, like they really want to get injured. <laughs> it right. always drives me right. crazy. It's like, what do you mean? Like they signed him for all this money and he's not playing. Well, hell, he got injured. It's not his fault. You know, he, he's trying. He wants to go out there and compete, and he wants to go out there and help. And But, you know, you can't make improvements when you're not healthy. And, uh, you know, now he's getting healthy and other night was a good start. You know, I just was, I was just pleading and talking to the television that he could get through the fifth inning <laughs> just to get that win. You know, because 
you know, people got to understand, like, you know, even though, like, you know, you make a lot of money and you're, you're a professional and you go through those things, you know, your feelings are the same, too. Like, he just needed a, he just needs a start. And, and I think he got it other night. He got that start and got the win. And now you got a place to build off of. If you don't get a start and you don't get going, um, it's hard. You know, it's, it's hard. You, you have to get some consistency. And, you know, for him, that was a, that was a great day. But for the Cubs, now this is their start. They've won four out of five. And, and, and now you build off of it. You know, you don't sit there and worry about things that happened, you know, when you struggle. You know, you're just like, you know, we're capable. We've done this before. We've added some new pieces. We're forming our new team. And um, I think they're going to be great. No, and, I, you know, as you were talking, it kind of kind of made me think of some things. You know, I'm thinking Ben Zobrist, so, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm an IU fan. Uh, so Ben Zobrist, to me, is like that Brian Cardinal guy who right. just kind of is a grinder, Right, he mm-hmm. just goes out and does everything you need. He's always, you know, he's mopping up the floor constantly. Right, he's probably right. got knee pads on under his under his stirrups, you know. Right. Um, and I'm looking at like Darvish. I'm thinking that's sort of, you know, as you mentioned with the injuries, sort of that Robbie Hummel thing where he's got to fight right. through a bunch of that and then get clean. But mm-hmm. if there's somebody, if I was going to make a comparison, I feel really good about this one. Carson Edwards is Javi Baez. Yeah, he's no question. Like 110 miles an hour. There's half the time where you're like, what the hell are you? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, do that again. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like, I, um, like to me, like John Lester, it would be like the ultimate Boilermaker. You know, just to me, like, you just kind of look at him and you just, you never look at John Lester and you don't think he's 100% or he's, you know, he, he's, he's going to battle you every single night and he's going to go out there and every pitch is important. Like, you know, not to say that for other guys isn't, but he just kind of gives that off. Um, and so, like, I always um, – I love it when I, you know, can see that the Cubs are on at 7 and I can get home by 7 or whatever and, and, and he's pitching and, you know, you know what you're going to get. Like, doesn't mean, like, every outing is as great results because in every outing you don't have your best stuff, you know, and you are in the major leagues and you're going against, you know, some guys that can do it. And um, – but that, that to me is like, you know, he's – you just know what you're going to get, and I love that. Just, you know, put your – I always say that as a coach, man. You know, your best is always good enough, and you know you're going to get that with John. Oh, absolutely. So when you're watching, you're talking about yelling at the TV and, and kind of fighting <laughs> through. So is it is it tougher for you, right, because you can kind of set aside – like when you're a coach, right, you've got to right. stay within yourself. You can't uh, freak right. out about having a, you know, hey, we've only got a three-point lead and there's, you know, 30 seconds left. So, But, right. but does it make you more nervous, right? You're You're there – it's uh you know Wisconsin's in town and yeah. uh, and again you just hit a shot to go up three with 30 seconds left. Are you more nervous there, or if you're watching the Cubs in a playoff game and they've got a one run lead to protect in the eighth inning? Oh, easily the Cubs. <laughs> that's easily. That's right. I mean, you don't as a as a as a coach or a manager. That's what you do. You know, that's what you mm-hmm. do. You have a lot of experience of doing it. The one thing that you do is you're constantly thinking about what what could happen and, and if those things do happen. You know, you know the decisions that you're going to make, and a lot of them, you know, are kind of autopilot type decisions because you've done it so many times, and that's what you do. But some of them, you know, you still have to have a feel in what you do. And in Joe's book, he talks about that a lot. Like you can play the analytics, and that's it's very, very, you know, smart to listen to analytics. But there's still a feel to what you do, and you still have to have a feel um and and be able to do it but when you're watching something that you have no control over that you have a passion for that 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 really hurts yeah that, that that's hard to take because you know you're you're just kind of sitting there and you're at the mercy of you know some things that you don't have a hand in on and so there, there's no doubt that I'm more nervous 
um, at those times. So I know, um, you know, the Cubs kind of heading into the season, there was a lot of talk. You know, it started kind of from Dan Webstein, Joe Madden talked about a, a little bit. We heard this word urgency, and uh, and they really were trying to focus in on some things. And then, you know, they, they sort of walked that back a little bit. Even John Lester sort of admitted maybe some guys were pressing you know, have you have you come across that? You know, in your experience, when maybe you had a team that had a lot of expectations, and that right. you were, uh, whether it was you know from above, whether it was from within, that you faced one of those situations where where guys maybe were pressing a little too hard, and then yeah. what what was the solution, or or do you you know does that just all have to work itself out on its own? I think it has to work itself out. I think hitting a ninety-seven mile per hour fastball is harder than hitting an open three, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like you get a, you got more circumstantial uh, positions there in, in, in a baseball game. You, you, the degree of difficulty is is, is, is much harder. But um, you know, I, and I think Joe obviously I read a lot about the Cubs. I don't I'm not saying I'm a savant or nothing where I know every single guy and know that. But I I read a lot of you know I read you know books about the Cubs and, and stuff. But Joe's done a great job of what we always talk about making your hard work fun. And, um, you know, I think you have to have that and making your hard work fun doesn't mean that you're not serious, you know, that you can still be serious and have fun. And so, you know, the more discipline you have in anything that you do, the more fun you're going to have. And young people don't understand that. And that's what you have to be able to do. You got, this is your craft, man. You know, if you pitch in the major leagues, man, that is your craft. You can't sit in that dugout and pick some pitching coach's brain or pick some veteran's brain enough. You can't get enough. And, you know, you still have to be able to go out there and perform, but you're constantly, you know, picking up on things and increasing your knowledge and just trying to, you know, to get, you know, your craft and keep working at your craft. And, well, that's what we, we try to recruit a lot of skilled guys. And we try, you know, this is your craft. But making decisions is your craft, too, not just shooting the basketball. A lot of times guys don't shoot the percentage that they should because they make poor decisions and they take bad shots. And then somebody says, ah, they're a 40% field goal percent shooter. When in reality, their, their decision-making has really dropped their percentages. You know, make good decisions, take care of the basketball. Sometimes less is more. And then you're going to make, you know, better plays and not turn the ball over and get more assists and, and shoot a higher percentage. Well, the same, you know, holds true for, you know, for baseball, whether, you know, you have Javi who's really improved, you know, his ability to lay off some things, you know, understanding, you know, when to attack, when not to attack, understanding counts, things of that nature from a baseball standpoint, it takes time. And you, you you know, you're a free swinging guy. It takes some time when you get, because it's always worked for you. And now when you get against the best, it's not going to keep working for you. If you're swinging at balls all the time, it's just not going, it's just, it's just not going to work. You can have some success when you're that good, but you're not going to have ultimate success. I think that's where he's taken off and been able to do that. It's just have that discipline, understand counts, understand other people, and just kind of picking up on that craft. So we really sell that, you know, with our guys and learning from other people and learning and really having a an understanding of who you are. I think one of the hardest things to do as a coach and a player is to self-assess. You know, how I feel about me, it might, you know, you know, general managers might not feel that way about me, but right. manager might not feel that way about, but you got to be confident, man. You got to feel good about yourself. And um, there's an old saying in football that you don't feed sugar to mules. And um, what's that more or less saying is, you know, you stay hard on those linemen, man. You you get those linemen and you get after those linemen, but you don't get after the quarterback and the running back the same way. Uh, you just don't because they handle the football, wide receivers handle the football, and they got to be able to make decisions and got to be able to take care of it and stuff. So each guy is a little bit different 
And uh, that's what's probably tough in baseball, you know, it's just managing that roster and managing so many different people. Um, with basketball, you've got a shorter number, you know, five guys play, you know, eight to nine guys are in a rotation, you've got 15 guys on your, on your roster. Um, but you still have to, you know, be able to have those relationships and understand what makes each guy tick. So we covered three sports in one answer there, which is impressive. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about um, – I had a question in here because you talked about – obviously you're trying to bring in talented guys. You're trying to find guys that fit the program. And, and right. I know that over your tenure at Purdue, you've, you've had pretty good success recruiting the region. Uh, do, do you ever find yourself like, hey, huh, there's an AAU tournament. Oh, gosh, i got to be up in Hammond. Well, boy, I'm only, I'm only an hour from Wrigley. Uh, but – do you ever find yourself, in a, and I kind of joke about that, I know you don't plan your recruiting around being able to watch the Cubs, right. but do you get to get up to Wrigley very often, uh, or is, um, the season, is the summer kind of a time you got to stay home? You know, last year I didn't make it to a game. That's the first time in a long, long time I haven't made it to a game. It just didn't work my schedule. Um, I get there about three to five times a year normally um, to be able to get there. If I can mix something in, especially in September, um in an evaluation period when I'm going to be up there. A lot of times, you know, people play after school and they play, you know, open gyms and things like that. You know, some people don't have. You try to get as many things as you can. So you get something after school, you get something at night, and then all, you know, not always can you get something at night. Normally you get more things after school. And, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to go see a game. or but, but it's not something that's religious for me. I've probably done it a handful of times in 25 years of coaching. I've worked in the state of Illinois for nine years, so I was an assistant of Eastern Illinois for three, mm-hmm. and assistant of Southern Illinois for five, and a head coach for one um, on top of that. But, yeah, anytime you can, you know, try to mix in a Cubs game to go along with recruiting, it, it makes a whole lot of sense to me. Do you have any, uh, do you have any like, Wrigley traditions? I mean, do you, do you try to hit the same spots, or is it mainly just a, hey, show um, up, find the seats, watch the game, and get out? Yeah, no, I, we'll hang out a little bit. Like, if we get there before and, you know, go up into, like, you know, like the Audi Club, I don't know if it's still called that or not. I have a friend that um, belongs to that, and we'll, we'll go up there. And that's always good because, you know, sometimes you're there and it's uh, 95 degrees and sometimes you're there right. and it rains. And like, hey, okay, we'll go up here and kind of wait for this, you know, heat to die down or, you know, what have you. And so that that's always, a you know, a, a really good perk. But I enjoy watching the game. I, I think that's more um, than anything. I think some – people will kind of go for the the environment and it's just a cool place to you know to, to watch a baseball game I, I actually enjoy you know you know watching the game and, and seeing things and um you know picking up on things obviously because i'm a cubs fan no, absolutely and and you know i think that's part of it especially and there's you know different people have different views on it certainly some of the new uh things that they've added and i know uh, certainly coming into it as as you did and you know i remember watching on wgn and, and the rooftops were just Somebody in a folding chair and a cooler on uh, on a you know on a tar roof. <laughs> it's changed a little bit since then, yes. I think. But um, but it does. You know, there are some other things about it that, especially if you ever go up there uh, and you got kids, there are certainly some new uh, things that can kind of keep them busy and and a little bit of everything. Right. And I know you know that's I think how how it always is. But uh, obviously, you're uh, more than familiar with with tradition there, and, and certainly coaching in the Big Ten, and with all those different things. And I think, you know, Chicago's kind of a hub for that. So it's, it's always kind of interesting to get up there and see the, the factions and find, like, oh, here's the Purdue bar, here's the IU bar, here's the Wisconsin right. bar. Right. No and it's, uh, it's, it's, such a, it's such a trip to do that. So um, before I let you go, I, I, I need to get your prediction. Where are the Cubs going to be at? By the time the dust settles, we get to October, 
how many wins, where are they going to finish, what is the outlook for the Cubs. This is going to go on record, and I'm going to hold you to this, so make sure it's good. <laughs> well, I'm biased. You know, I, I follow the Cubs, but I don't follow Major League Baseball. If that makes any sense to you. Yeah, like I, like, I, like I haven't, you know, went and looked at the standings here. I haven't. I don't. I have no that's idea. Good. You shouldn't. If you haven't, you then, then it doesn't don't. make any sense to. It yeah. doesn't make any don't, sense don't to. Do it. Don't but I'm biased. Me saying, the, me saying the Cubs, yeah. You know how I know Kristen Yelich has done really well and hit home runs is because I listen to the announcers, and they brought it up right. last night again that, you know, he's hit, I think, eight out of his nine against the, um, the Cardinals, um, if I'm not mistaken. Like, he's hit a lot that's of his home runs. Against, yeah, and so – but I, I only know that because I listen to the Cubs broadcast. Right. Um, and so, you know, Cappy, Dave Kaplan um, was a basketball coach before. Yeah. So when I first started at Eastern Illinois, he ran a scouting service called the Windy City Round Ball. I think that's what it was called. And before GPSs, Cappy would give you directions to every high school in the, you know, Chicagoland area from every direction. I know that, that sounds crazy, but if anybody... No, that sounds lived, exactly... That, there's nothing about that that is surprising. Yeah, anybody that who's lived like in Chicago right. or spent, you know, even a little bit of time in Chicago, we have all driven aimlessly around the city at some point, not knowing what the hell we're doing before it's <laughs> So you had the Rand McNally out and trying to look at the, you know, where to go and what to do. And so, like, Cappy has saved me probably a week of my life for my three years at Eastern Illinois because I had this three-ring binder with all of his stuff. He had restaurants in there. He had everything. So he, uh, I, I owe him dearly and, uh, for going on there. And then Kelly Krill started in Lafayette. I think she started in Lafayette. She was here for a couple of years. I don't know if this was actually her start with the TV station that's here. So I listened to those guys more than anything. And I obviously listened to the broadcast. And, um, and so that, that's, that's more of my summer <laughs> than anything. Right. Everybody goes and plays 18 holes of golf. And I, and I sit here and listen and, uh, and and watch the Cubs. So um, it, it, it's pretty cool. I, I I really enjoy it, and I'm glad I'm you know two hours away from Wrigley Field. So it's fair to say that you've got them down for a hundred wins and an NL Central Championship, and, and probably at least a World Series appearance. No question. All right, good. But I'm a homer, man. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm this, 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 going out on the limb. I'd say this regardless. What are you supposed to say when it's your team? Like you're not going to sit there and say, ah, I don't think we can do it this year. You know, it's your team, man. Like you're, you're going to root. That's what I always say. I have Indiana fans come up to me all the time. So I root for you guys every game except two. And that's it's probably a lie when they say that. I, mean, I don't <laughs> think that like holds true. Like I don't sit there and like and, and like root. Like I, I like other teams. Like I, I like other players. I should say, but like I don't root for them. I root for the Cubs. And so when people say, "Hey, man, I'm a diehard Indiana fan. And I root for Indiana. I've never root for you guys." I'm saying that, that's the way you should be, man. That's your team. Always root for your team. And so when someone comes up to me and gives a, hey, can I have an autograph? But I'm a diehard Michigan fan. I love Michigan or whatever. I'm like, good, you should. That's your, you know, stick with your team. Even though I sold out on the Reds when they, they dog pee, you know. But that was, you know, that was, I was nine, man. I was just, you know, just the way it was. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, I, will, I will not blow smoke up your backside. And I, I will tell you that. That uh, there, there probably are not any games that I've I've rooted for Purdue over a while. Although, I will say I had a Glenn Robinson jersey, a number thirteen Purdue jersey back in the day because I loved Glenn Robinson so much. Yeah, you um, And that was just a phenomenal. You know, because again, I'm from the region, and he's you know right. he's from up there, and just watching him play and how good he was at the time. But um, but yeah. So hey, thank you 
so much for taking the time. This was, oh, no problem. Thanks for having this me. This is really cool. Yeah, no, I uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll get this up. I'm going to have it. Uh, I'm going to put it into a pod, put a post together, have it up on the site probably by uh, by tonight at some point, and then we'll we'll kind of go from there. But at, at some point in the future, I may. Uh, you know, as your schedule dictates, I might I might just reach back out because this is oh this no is really cool. I just I I'm just hope this it. comes up and Cubs have now won five out of six and Cole Hamels throws a no hitter tonight and that that would be cool. He's I'm leaving tonight, him right? in there. Yeah, uh, he is. He's going. Uh, he's going to after Q and man after and it's against the Marlins. So there's oh, Quintana was Quintana was fabulous other day. He, he was, Fifteen first pitch strikes. That yeah, was he was fabulous. All first pitch strikes. So yeah, it was uh it's it's much more fun to watch when you can do that. We came out of a little league game, <laughs> got back, got to do that, and my my son was kinda watching some of those things and uh so he's getting into it now and it's it's just kinda cool to Who does your son play that. for in Little League? He he actually plays for the Rockies. The Rockies, um, okay. Yeah, so yeah. we're in we're in Brownsburg, so uh kind of a rich sports tradition there. But um but yeah, he had to he had to play against the Cubs on Saturday, he has to play against them again Friday night. So it's a yeah. weird See, we always had different names. Stop, so. Yeah, we always had different names. We always had our sponsors. So I always thought that was cool that you had sponsors. Like in fifth grade, I played for Highway 3 Hardware. Um, sixth grade, I played for Romac Electric. And, mm-hmm. uh, I always liked those names. I always thought that was cool. Like, you know, you look kind of look back and, well, uh, we just signed a kid from Newcastle who lives right off of Highway 3. And every time I, you know, think about you know going there, I drive there. I'm like, yeah, fifth grade, man, Highway 3 Hardware. Yep, we were. Uh, that was my. That was a squad. We were, we were pretty good. All right, and here we are, back on the other side. Um, you had a little bit of conversation that kind of carried on uh, past what's on here. Of course, just kind of um, shooting the you know what, and uh, and it was actually kind of fun before I started rolling. It was just kind of cool to uh, to talk with Coach Painter a little bit and sort of establish. The, uh, the the whole six degrees of separation thing. Um, the the guy who was our freshman basketball coach at, at my high school when I was a sophomore had actually played, was a couple years older, and had played with Matt Painter at Purdue. It was Dave Barrett. Um, and uh, and it was it was pretty funny. I just told him the story. You know, Coach, Coach Barrett would show up every once in a while to open gym in the summers and just wreck shop on all these kids because you know, he was a guy in his I think, late 20s or his 30s at that point. And uh, it was just so much better. And, and you know, he was a, a role player at Purdue, right, but just phenomenally better than all these other high school kids that were out there, which is always kind of fun to watch. Um, uh, Kirk Manns, who was my high school's best player, played at Michigan State, and, and his tenure there overlapped with painters at Purdue as players and uh, and just a few other folks. that And, and so as soon as I said that, I said, hey, do you remember a guy named Kirk Manns? He's like, oh, you're from North Judson. And uh, so that stuff's always kind of fun, right? So, uh, anyway, again, it was just, it was cool because he also, uh, I, th- I think I have it in there and now, you know, I haven't gone back and listened to it, but he, he called a, uh, a Cole Hamels no hitter against the Marlins on Wednesday night and Hamels is currently dealing, uh, has one hit given up as of the time uh, that I am recording this anyway. And so I thought that was kind of funny, but, but it was just neat, you know, when, when I asked him about, well, hey, what what are your expectations for the Cubs? What what do you have them pegged at? So, uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna win a hundred games and and all this. And uh, what are your expectations? He said, you know, to be honest, I, I don't I don't follow Major League Baseball as a whole or or check the standings or get into all that. I'm just a Cubs fan, 
And, uh, and, and that was kind of cool to me, you know, for a guy. And I think part of that is because he, he uses it strictly as, as sort of a, a reprieve or a getaway from being so hyper-focused and competitive in his environment, in his industry. I mean, that is his career. And so to actually, which is kind of funny too, because to use sports as an escape, you know, and he's, he's like yelling at the TV for Darvish to get through the fifth or, or, or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, for a guy to say it's way more intense to try to watch the Cubs when they're, uh, when they've got a close lead in the eighth or ninth than it is to be coaching in a big 10 game with 30 seconds left and a three point lead, you know, because that, that's, that's his environment. He lives that he's used to it. And, and so to come outside of that, so just some really neat stuff there. And I thought it was just, uh, it, it was a lot of fun for me to just have him kind of get into that and, and explain some of the stuff too about, about coaching and, and how you treat different players and kind of how he approaches that and how he sort of sees different Cubs players, maybe in his own, uh, players at Purdue. And, uh, again, just all the way around, I had a lot of fun with it and, uh, and thought he was just super authentic the entire time about it. And so, uh, you know, that was kind of, I think fun for me and, and maybe took me back to it a little bit because I, I know I've, I've gotten certainly not agnostic, um, but maybe a little bit more or a lot more objective about the Cubs. And, and I am certainly still a fan and still very passionate about it. But when you are immersed in it uh, and, and you really get into all the nuance to a greater degree than just being able to sit down for three hours or, or four hours, um, which I, I know Commissioner Manfred is trying to fix. Um, you you do kind of become numb, maybe to some of the joy of it, and uh, and so this this kind of took me back to that. So anyway, uh, you know, big thanks uh, to everybody at, at Purdue. Uh, you know, certainly I'm I'm really pleased to have been uh, been given the chance to do the interview, and, and so I, I do again want to thank Matt Painter for taking the time today to uh to just you know sit and talk with some guy that that he doesn't know from adam and uh and so i thought that was really cool again and uh and just want to thank everybody for listening i i would be uh remiss if i did not also thank chris foreman uh the sports information director at purdue uh, for men's basketball who was able to set this up uh, very very cool of him and uh and I, i've just i found the folks there to be really wonderful to work with which which kind of pains me to say again as as an IU guy I need uh you know can we can we get I don't think Archie Miller is a Cubs fan if he is I need to get him on maybe um or or somebody um you know is there somebody from Notre Dame we can get on to you know let's let's see what uh Digger is Digger Phelps available somewhere I'm sure he'll be singing the stretch a couple times this uh this summer but anyway um so yeah check us out we are uh this is the deep like Leviathan podcast uh, which I explained earlier, if you go back and, and listen to some of the other ones, it's a lyric from an Inspect the Deck song from the Wu-Tang Clan. And um, we are available on uh, on a few of the places where you can find your podcasts. So we are on iTunes, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Stitcher. And uh, would really appreciate a five-star review, even if it means you have to lie to do it, <laughs> because I know that helps our ratings. Um, you can find this one I'm going to, to really uh, to pimp pretty heavily on Cubs Insider just because of the content there. But again, it'll be available elsewhere. You know, I've got a couple of previous episodes that are solo spots just as I'm kind of getting my feet under me here. Really looking to maybe get some guests on. And then I'm also doing some video logs or vlogs, whatever you want to call them. More Cubs-specific, baseball-specific stuff. And, and that is available at CubsInsider.com and at our YouTube channel. 
So go check that out. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to load this to the YouTube channel, but we do have a ton of stuff on there too. Uh, a lot of original content. We've got a couple different podcasts that go up on there. It'd be Cubs related and Ivy Envy. Those are loaded to our YouTube channel. We've got a YouTube show called Talking Cubs with Ryan Davis and Sean Sears. And uh, and then again, mine is called Inside Corner. And it's basically just me um, pouring a beer, having a beer, and just kind of talking to you um, really off the cuff and extemporaneous, as you can probably tell from this. And, uh, you know, just trying to have some fun with it. So, um, again, check us out. Obviously, you know what the name of the podcast is and you got it here from the site. But if you do check us out on iTunes or, or, or me, there's really no us on the other side of it. Give us that rating, you know, smash that five. Um, if you give me a one, I will find out who and where you are and I will, well, I won't do anything and I won't find that out, but the, the threat of it, right. I'm like, I'm, I got this beard and I look really mean. So, um, so yeah, I absolutely won't do anything to you, but I will love you forever and you'll be my best friend if, uh, if you help me with this thing, because as I mentioned on my video log, the goal is to become filthy rich from blogging and podcasting and, and vlogging so that I can buy a jet and fly around to see the Cubs wherever they play. I think that's an admirable goal, but, uh, but again, thank you for the 15th time for joining, for listening, and until next time, this is Evan Altman, and my technique of speech is deep, like Leviathan.